Welcome to this week's Everyman Livestream. My name is Jeremy and I'll be your host for today. Now all of us at one time were little men and the odds are that when you were a toddler, you probably wore your feelings on your sleeve. You know what? That's what we expect from toddlers. They flop on the ground, they have tantrums, they listen to their impulses. You get the picture. Their emotional filter is not yet developed. So why should I take you on this journey back in time? Here's why. We expect impulse in a child, but in a man, it is disastrous. Men are supposed to be able to put feelings in their proper place to lead, serve, and love others under pressure of being selfish. And when they can't, others in their lives will suffer. And that's why we're starting a new series today called Do It Anyways, because when the pressure is on, your choice in any given moment will make or break your relationships with God and people. Now, before we get started, Take a moment and bless someone in your world and share this live stream. Now, let's join men's expert and pastor Kenny Luck live from Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California for part one of Do It Anyways. Good morning, men. If you got a Bible, you want to open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're starting a new series this morning called Do It Anyways. Uh, Going to start with a question. How many of you have ever talked or been talked out of doing something you know you need to do? Talked yourself out of it, a fear talked you out of it, circumstances, a possible rejection, etc. And then here's a second question. Have any of you ever said in that moment, I don't care, I'm doing it anyways. And that can be good and bad, right? (laughs) Especially when you're in a group of men, right? (laughs) I know I shouldn't do it, I know I shouldn't do it. Ah, what the heck, I'm doing it anyways, right? And so... We're doing a new series called Do It Anyways, Uh, and what I'm getting at is that in your walk with God, there are forces at work that when you get into a moment, it will tell you not to do the very thing that you should do because you're committed to Jesus Christ. And and so we have to learn and get comfortable with and be trained by God. Um, the Holy Spirit and God's Word, and through experience of making different choices, of just doing it anyways. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, you've got a situation where Paul is, is trying to help his mentee. A mentor is helping his mentee to think about and reflect on what is walking with Jesus all about. And he, he encourages him in a very specific way that resonates with a man, right? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, I want you to join with me in reading the rest. Ready? Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. 
And so the encouragement right out of the box is, be strong. Be strong in Christ. And then he goes into these themes and these pictures about, you know what? Well, you've heard me say and do, put these into the hands of reliable men. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three pictures. You know, be like a soldier who has to, in the moment of going, man, I signed up for this contract life, but boy, that civilian life looks great out there. You got to discipline yourself. And in the back of the soldier's mind, I got to please my commanding officer. I got to be like the athlete who in the moment just says, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to drink another protein shake. I don't want to push weight around. I don't want to run. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do that. But in the back of his mind is the podium, is the victor's crown. So in that moment, he's got to do it anyways. The soldier's got to be committed to his commanding officer anyways. The athlete has to be committed to the training anyways, in spite of how they feel, in spite of their entitlements. And then he says, the what kind of farmer? The hardworking farmer. See, he's, he's distinguishing. You know, the hardworking farmer gets his hind end out of bed and gets behind a hind end to plow the field. Because what does he have in the back of his mind? The harvest. First share. So these are three pictures that Paul is using. And he's going, you know what? You need to reflect on this. Because this is what it means to walk with Jesus. There is a tension every day where you hit a crossroads and you get into a moment and there's fear, there's feelings, there's circumstances, there's rejections. There's all these other competing forces that are going to try to get you not to believe, not to serve, all right? Not to obey. And Paul says, reflect on that. This is what it's like. Because I think we live in a culture that is addicted to feelings. Do you agree? It's sort of like, especially uh, in this generation of young men, feelings are directional. It's sort of like, well, if I feel this, then that must be the facts. So I'm going to make decisions in, in response to my feelings. Now, I'm not delegitimizing feelings. God gave us feelings, and feelings are valid. You just got to be careful to manage them. Amen? And you got to put them in their proper context. All right? But we live in a generation where feelings are directional. This is how I feel I am, therefore that's what I am. All right? This is what I feel is happening. It gets a little uncomfortable. Well, man, that can't be God's plan because I'm uncomfortable. You know? And then what we have is we have a generation of young men who are bailing out early. They're not staying in there. They don't, they're not in there for the long haul. All right? and, and the Bible says that when you walk with Christ, you're going to hit that feeling just about every day. And that's why Paul says to Timothy, he says, you know what, you got to reflect on what I'm saying and the Lord will give you insight into all of this because in that tension of don't do it or I'm going to do it anyways is this little word, it's called faith. That is the life of faith. So who is God looking for? Through this passage of scripture and as a mentor is encouraging his mentee and as God is speaking to us, who is the man that God is looking for? Write this down, God's looking for reliable men. Think about that word reliable when you assign it to a man. Just think about what that means, right? It means you can count on that person, right? It means if they say they're going to show up, they're going to show up. If they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it, you know? And that reliable man, why is he reliable? He's reliable because no matter what the pressure is or no matter what excuse he could give for not showing up, he shows up because he made a commitment. So God's looking for reliable men who make, write this down, disciplined choices. The athlete 
the soldier, and the farmer are all characterized by making disciplined choices under pressure of not making that choice. That's the whole tension that Paul's trying to get across. Like, hey, you want to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? This is, what it, this is how strength is created. It's created in moments where you get a chance to get talked out of something, and you say, forget you. I'm going to do it anyways because I have my hope in mind, right? The, the soldier has pleasing his commanding officer in mind. The athlete has the podium in mind. The hardworking farmer has the harvest in mind. And in that moment, they go, forget that. I'm doing this because I have my hope in mind. What is your hope? Because you will discipline yourself in the direction of whatever your strongest hope is. Does that make sense? Like, my, I hoped to win Chrissy's heart in college. And I disciplined myself to write poetry and buy flowers and candy and stay up late listening to her talk late at night. Pretending that I was totally, oh man, wow. But we get it, right? You, you hope to get a paycheck, so you discipline yourself to smile and dial and make the call versus, you know, driving around in your sales car and like pretending that you're doing stuff. No, you got to make the hard call. You make a call, you make the appointment, you get in the plane, you get in your car, you go show up, you make your pitch, and man, after you get the contract, you're pretty happy that you disciplined yourself because now you're getting a paycheck, all right? Maybe it's physically. You know what that is. You discipline yourself to get your butt into the gym or run or exercise, and you just go, man, I'm glad I did that because I, I hope to get in better shape and feel better, blah, blah, blah. So you guys get what I'm talking about, but God is looking for reliable men who make disciplined choices, write this down, and who have strong hope. That's what I just talked about. Reliable men who make disciplined choices, who have a strong hope. These are the pictures that Paul is using with Timothy to get him into this attitude and this mentality like, yeah, you're going to have forces pushing you this way, but you're going to do this anyways. All right? So reliable men who make disciplined choices, who have a strong hope, who clearly, write this down, see the prize and who are ready to pay the price. You see, the, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, they see the prize, and that makes them willing to what? Pay the price. Right? i got to please my commanding officer, so guess what? i got to say no to the uncontracted life of a, of a civilian, stay in the military life. Why? Because my strong hope is pleasing my commander. I want to be on the podium. All right? I see that prize. That's, that's what I see. So I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to compete according to the rules. I'm going to do what i got to do. All right? Even though my feelings or other things are just like, ah, don't do that. I got to do this. The farmer's just like, oh, it's already morning. I got to get up again. Because I, I see like 90, 120 days down the line, harvest is coming. So I got to get up today. And I got to do the work today. So what I want to get at is that in the moment, you can choose now. You can choose the now result. Or you can choose the later result. And we all know that if we live for the now moment, the now satisfaction, the now feelings. We don't become men. In fact, we stay toddlers spiritually. And that's the difference, all right? And so that's what we're going to look like. I want to incentivize you from God's word that when you're in a moment like that, and you've got to choose, okay, I, I, I feel and sense these other forces at work, working against me, moving into the space God's calling me, whatever that space is, in your marriage, your personal character, choices, your giving, whatever space God's moving you into where there's a little something like that, 
I want to incentivize you to make the right choice and do it anyways, right? The Bible says three things that incentivize me. First, he says, I can choose my yield, all right? Write that down, yield. Okay, that's an agricultural term, you know? You ye- it yields a crop, it yields fruit, right? Listen to what the Bible says about correction and self-correction in a given moment. Let's read Hebrews 12, 11 together, ready? All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Stop. Isn't that the truth? Whether it's a moment of correction or chastisement or God's giving you a little spanking or whether you're self-correcting and you're having to in the moment say, I'm going to lose this to gain this. It's like not a happy moment, all right? Now, let's roll the film. It says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Let's continue to read together. Ready? Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Circle trained by it. The word trained um, in in the Greek language is is connected to, I'm just going to say it, training so hard you're training naked. You're tra- it's like the Greek image of like, I'm, tra- I'm sweating, I'm training, I'm in the gym, it's dripping off me, I'm training, I'm, I'm losing weight, I'm losing sweat, I'm losing hydration, and you're in this, oh, type thing. See the picture of the, the spiritual life? It's about us getting into these positions where we're like in, in God's gym, and he's training us. And we got to go the extra rep, and we have to push through, and we, we're having this battle inside in our minds, just going, you can do it. No, you can't. You can do it. No, you can't. I'm tired. I know you're tired, but you're going to keep moving on. The Bible says, for those who've been trained by it. And here's the dynamic. There's the moment, and then there's afterwards. You see, it says in the passage in Hebrews 12, 11, all discipline for the what? Moment. Seems not joyful, but sorrowful. Yet for those who've been trained by it, meaning they get in there and they have this, they experience this tension a lot. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? It means you you develop new character. You become a new person. You're not the same person when you keep making decisions, when there are forces against you, and no matter what those forces say, you say, I'm going to do God's will anyway. The more, every decision that you lay on top of the next decision, and there are decisions coming today, by the way, where you're going to get a chance to do this very thing. The more decisions that you make in that direction, the more your insides are going to change, and what's going to be added to you is the character of Jesus himself, because that's the way Jesus made decisions. God's spirit is going to work into you. Whenever you keep choosing God, I'm going to choose God, I'm going to choose God, I know I feel this way. I know I'm entitled to do this. I know it, but I'm going to choose God. That creates a new person, but it's because not because it just kind of fell on you mystically. It's because God empowered your obedience in faith, and his spirit came in more into your life because you said, I'm going to do it anyway. Right? So I can choose my yield. Second, I can choose my treasure. That's cool. In fact, we have a decision to deposit, make deposits in heaven on earth. That's what Jesus taught. Look at what he says. Let's read it together. Ready? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I've read that scripture so many times. And I've always thought about it in, in the context of, well, you know, I can always pay it forward. You know, but I, I'm, I'm going to switch my angle right now. It's storing up. It's like the picture is making deposits, right? And we have a choice on earth when we get into these moments where I can make a deposit into eternity, into my account, or it dies with me. It'll either die with me or it'll go with me, all right? I'll, I'll make a deposit in becoming like Christ or this choice where I listen to the forces that are saying, don't do that, don't, you, know, you shouldn't do that, or whatever. I listen to those forces, it diminishes Christ in me. And what I love about it is that it's a choice. It's a choice. You're going to walk out there and you're going to have a chance to store up for yourself treasure in heaven. I don't know what area of your life where God is working on you, but I'm just encouraging you and incentivizing you. You can choose your yield. You can choose your treasure. And you know what? My prayer for you, man of God, is that you're going to be storing up treasure in heaven today in your marriage, in your finances, in your work, with your boss. That you're going to pay for it. You're going you're gonna to say, yeah, I know I could do this, but I'm going to do this and do this anyways. And I'm going to store up for myself treasure in heaven because it's a solid investment. But Jesus is clear. It's a choice. Don't and do. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven. So I can choose my yield. I can choose my treasure. Third, I can choose my reward. I love the picture that Paul paints of his life. And he always uses these uh, construction metaphors. If you guys out there in construction, you'll appreciate this. But it's always if you're building a tower, you're building a house, it's synonymous with building your life. And you can choose your building materials. Okay, they can be cheap or they can be quality. All right, listen to what Paul says, and I'm going to have you join in. He says, but by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should what? Build with care. Circle that. Build with care. So we're talking about building a house. We're talking about building your life. And we're, talk, we're being admonished by God's word this morning. Build it with care. What does that look like? Paul goes on. He says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ. Right? So this is for believers. Okay. Now he goes on. If anyone builds on this foundation, Christ, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, let's finish it together. If what has been built survives, the builder receives a reward. So here's the picture, guys. You're, you're, if, you're, if you've made a decision to have a relationship with Christ, in other words, you recognize there's God, I'm not him, and there's a barrier between me and God, and it's my own imperfection and flaw and sin, and you have recognized the person of Jesus Christ as God's son, the work that he did for you on the cross to cancel out that barrier, and you've said, I received, Jesus, what you've done for me, to cancel out the barrier keeping me from God, and I receive you, and I receive what you did for me from me, okay? That puts you into this category called Christian. You are a Christian, you are a Christ follower, and now you're on this journey, and now we're building on that foundation. What are we building with? Choices. 
post getting to know Jesus, now I get to learn the ways of Jesus and choose the ways of Jesus, all right? Say, learn the ways of Jesus. Now say, choose the ways of Jesus. Okay, I know a lot of guys who have learned the way of Jesus. In fact, they might even be sitting in here or listening online. But they're not choosing the ways of Jesus. They're still in charge. But when you begin a relationship with Jesus, he becomes your Savior and your Lord. Right? Savior in that he forgave you your sin and his grace came to you. You got accepted and affirmed by God. But after that, his truth also comes. And that's his authority. That's Lord. He becomes Lord of your life, the master of your life, the manager of your life. All right? And so when it comes to building on this foundation, Paul paints this picture and he goes, you know, once you're in, build with care. And your choices can be quality choices or not quality choices. A not quality choice is to choose your impulse. A not quality choice is to choose fear. A not quality choice is to choose entitlement. Like, I deserve to do this, therefore I'm not going to do what God told me to do because I deserve to do this. That's a not quality choice. That's not building with care. But building with care says, you know what? I know I could do that, but I'm going to do this in the moment. I'm going to do it anyways. And when you do that, it's, it's gold, silver, costly stones, quality choices versus not quality choices. Wood, hay, and straw. So your choices will come under examination before the Lord. And it's not to reject you out of heaven. That's already done because you're in Christ. That's already a done deal. Amen. We're in. Now it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever played sports in high school, but you have a, a banquet at the end of the season. And they're just like, they give out some hardware, you know, most inspirational, most improved, you know, MVP, whatever. It's kind of like a little reward ceremony. And it's just like, hey, you know what? This is the work that you put in. Right? We want to acknowledge that work. God wants to acknowledge the choices that you made for him. Doesn't everybody want that? Who wants that? It's like, you know what? Jesus made hard choices where he said, I could do this, but I'm going to do this anyway. And it's kind of like a ceremony. It's just like, hey, man, you did it like I did it. You kind of made choices like I made. And so quality or not quality material, and then it's just going to be tested. Now, here's my thought on that. At the rewards banquet. I'm in, everybody's in, everybody's happy to be there. And then it's just like names are getting called, you know? And we're getting acknowledged for the choices that we made on earth. My, my vision is, is that I won't take that glory onto myself. I'll just give it back to Jesus because Jesus gave me the, the power of the Holy Spirit and his word and his direction to make those good choices anyway. And it's like in Revelations, it says there's 24 elders and they all have crowns. And they end up throwing their crowns back because they want to give all the glory to God. Amen? You know, that, I mean, I, that's my story. But still, there is going to be that moment. So I can choose my reward. That's, a, that's incentivizing to me. All right? I can choose my yield, treasure, and reward. Now, here's the big idea. Here's what I'm trying to get across in just part one because we're going to get into this four other times. Is that the life of faith is a life of going against. Write that down. It's contested. It's like being in the red zone, you know? Is the defense liberal or stingy in the red zone? Stingy. I mean, it's like they dig in. You know, this is, God's saying, you know what? This is like the life of faith. When you, when you choose Jesus, it's like, hey, your choices now, they, they enter the red zone now. It used to be, I'll just do whatever I want, you know? Now it's just like, oh, now I have to consider what I'm doing. 
and I have to make a, a conscious choice. Now, I put down some examples. Going against what, Kenny? Going against fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the consequences. Fear of rejection. Going against feelings. That's, that's a big one in today's culture. Because it's just like, well, if I feel, then it must be true. Well, that's the most untrue statement I've ever made. Okay? My feelings are not the facts. They're feelings. All right? Going against culture. Hey, guys, I'm just telling you, persecution is going to go up, not down. It's going to be harder and harder to be God's man. Culture is going to force your faith into the open. It's not going to be like, hey, we're so glad you're a Christian, and way to go, and I'm glad you have faith, and I'm glad you treat others the way you want to be treated. That's not the way it's going. It's becoming more and more secular in our society, and your back is going to get put against the wall at some point. All right? You're going to have to go against stereotypes. I, I talk about that all the time. There's healthy male culture that's formed in Christ, that's spirit-empowered, and then there's broken male culture. Whatever culture you grow up in. Could be ethnic, could be national, could be just your group of friends, and there was one way to be a man, and God calls you to be God's man. Okay? And you got to go against the culture to be a son of Christ. Right? you got to go against your image. Some of us have made choices over years and years and years and years, and we've built this image. And we make choices in the moment based on all the investment that we've made in this image, but the substance of our faith is given the back seat. We gotta go against that. Impulses, right? Every man has impulses, amen? Gotta go against those too. So the life of faith is a life of going against. Look at what Jesus said. Let's read it together, Matthew 16, 24, ready? Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Following Jesus is, is a life of yeses and nos. And it's a, a no to self, a no to feelings, a no to fear, a no to culture. And we're not going to win that battle every time. Amen? You know, I mean, I, I thank God for grace because I can fail in that battle. But God says, all right, get up. It's not over. You know? And so Jesus is very clear that you're going you're gonna to be asked to do stuff anyways. And then look what he says here in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. He says, blessed are those who are what? Persecuted because of what? Righteousness. So circle righteousness and circle persecuted. If you're following Jesus and you're saying yeses to Jesus in the moment and saying, I don't care what my feelings or fear or culture says, I'm doing it anyways, guess what you get for a reward? Persecution. And there's a continuum of persecution. There's mild like, hey, Pete's off the list, you know, in a group of guys. Like, oh, don't, don't invite him anymore to the party because, you know, he's not going to do that. To open outward accusation or even physical harm. People expressing their values for life today. I was just watching the TV. They're just, you know, they're there and they're just like, hey, you know what? We think a baby is a real person. Getting hit and punched, you know, just because they believe that there's creator and created. And that when there's conception, there's life and man, it's open, visceral. Um, but that's, that's what Jesus said we signed up for. So blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. But li listen to the next phrase. For theirs is the what? See, that's, in, in heaven, what's celebrated is when you say, I don't care about what's coming. I don't care what you think. I don't care what my feelings say. I don't care about these fears. You have a self-talk. You self-correct. You say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do anyways. All right? Blessed, Jesus says, are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me, rejoice and be glad. Because great is your what? 
reward in heaven. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So can I just say something? This tension that is talked about in scripture, this tension, if you're not in it, according to scripture, if you're not in tension, no reward. If there's never anything to, to have tension over, there's never any battle inside. If there's any, I mean, now, here's my question. Do you, are you experiencing that tension today in your faith, in your walk, where you're actually putting yourself in this zone of tension where I got to, or are we, are we in the holy huddle, or are we just, you know, choosing our comfort, and it's okay because guess what? We can hide behind God instead of put ourselves into the mix. But Jesus said, boom, go. I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. So that tension that you feel, that's healthy. You got to get used to it. You got to get trained by it. And you got to get used to stepping into that space because that's what it means to be trained by it. So I'm, I'm pushing you right now to get into some tension. All right? Because why? Because then you're forced to make some choices. Get your faith out there a little bit. All right? Make some new decisions. Invest. Have a conversation. Open your mouth. Do something you haven't done before. Because why? Because God wants you to. Right? That's the adventure. Okay? So that's the, the basis of what we're going to do. Now let's talk about where we're headed. All right? So there's the basis. The, the life of faith is a life of going against, but there's a huge reward. You can choose your treasure, choose your yield. All right? Now, what does it mean to do it anyways? All right? What does it mean exactly? Write this down. It means we're going to believe anyways. Amen? We're going to believe anyways. All right? Fear, guess what? I know what, what you're saying, but I'm going to believe anyways. Culture, I know the way you want me to act. Sorry, I'm going to read God's word, and I'm going to see what he says. I'm going to do that anyways, right? Stereotypes, entitlements, image management, I'm going to believe anyways. It's interesting. Uh, we're in good company if you struggle with that. Uh, John chapter 20, verses 25 to 29. Let me build a little context here. People have said, guess what? He's alive, right? And then there's good old Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Known through the centuries as Doubting Thomas, all right? And we pick up the film where Thomas is having kind of like this moment with the other followers of Jesus who've seen him. He hasn't seen him. And he kind of just puts his foot down. Unless I see, Thomas says, the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not, what? Believe. A week later, so it's almost like God, like, okay, let's let the paint dry on what Thomas said, all right? Let's just, just let that sink in. Let him own his words. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I don't think Thomas had peace in that moment. But that's what Jesus said, all right? Hey, what's up? Peace, peace be with you. <laughs> then he said to Thomas, all right? Now think about what Thomas is thinking. Oh, here it comes. And he's like, hey, give me your hand. Put your finger right here. See my hands. Hey, why don't you just, why don't you just go ahead? Go, no, no, go ahead. Stick it all the way in. Go ahead. Put, yeah, we're, 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 move your hands around in there a little bit. Just, you know, stick it all the way in, all right? And it's like, Thomas, stop doubting and believe, right? Then listen to, what, listen to what he says. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, Thomas walked with Jesus. Thomas saw Jesus feed the 5,000. Thomas saw Jesus heal the leper. 
come and saw Jesus do many miracles, take authority over evil, take authority over creation. And Jesus, you know, the other disciples were just like, hey, yeah, th- that guy, he r- rose from the dead. Tom's like, mm, no. And I'm sure in your life you have a few testimonies of God intervening in your life, coming into your life, doing some things that you just like, I can't even explain that. I don't even know why I'm still alive. I don't know why I'm still here. And, you know, maybe Jesus for you this morning, is, you're just a doubter today, just like Thomas. Maybe you've fallen into doubt, you know, and, and Jesus is just going, hey, stop it. Stop doubting and believe, right? Now, after having that moment with Thomas, look at what. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Let's finish it together. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Guess what? We got the triple dog blessing, guys. We're in that crowd. When we believe, even though we haven't seen, when we have hope, even though, because we know his presence is in us. We know his word is good. We know that he has moved in our lives. We know he's changed us from the inside out. We know he's forgiven us. He's given us purpose. And when we choose him, amazing things happen. We have seen the work of God. And Jesus says, you know what? Those people, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen. Yet, that's a key word. Circle that. Yet, they said, I'm going to believe anyways. We're going there next week. We're going to talk about believing anyways. Second, it means we're going to love anyways. What Jesus said in John 15, he says, His Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Circle that. See, there's a tension. We got, Jesus saying, you got to stay right there. Stay in here. Stay in my love. All right? How do I do that? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Whenever Jesus says, if you, if you keep. That means there's a tension that you could let go at any given moment. If you keep and hold on to and say, I'm going to do it anyways, or you could just go, ah, what the heck? I'm going this way. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. Told you this so that my joy may be in you. See that? Remember when we go back to the initial scripture where all discipline for the moment seems not joyful but sorrowful, but afterwards? You know when the joy comes? After obedience, not in the midst of obedience. And so Jesus is saying, if you keep my commands, man, guess what? You're going to have my joy in you, okay? But not in the moment because that's a moment of faith and trust. Um, he says, you're gonna, I, I, tell, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? complete, okay, not incomplete. So God wants to complete us from the inside out. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Circle that. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, I do a lot of weddings, and as I I have the the groom all decked out, looking awesome, and when I have the, the bride all decked out, powerful, beautiful, got two people standing before me, and I say, you know what? The Bible gives us the secret sauce, of how to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And then I look to them, and I say, the only way you're going to love him is by loving Jesus. And because Jesus has loved you courageously, sacrificially, and unconditionally, only knowing Jesus will let you love him the way he deserves to be loved. And then I look right at the guy's eyeballs. I'm like, in order to love her, you need to love Jesus. You need to be born of God and know God because Jesus will teach you how to love 
unconditionally, love sacrificially, and love courageously. That's the only way you're going to be able to love her the way she deserves to be loved. See, in relationships, it's hard to love sometimes. Amen? So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to listen to my feelings. Well, I'm going to listen to my titles. I'm going to say, I deserve this. Blah, 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 blah. No, you're going to love people the way Jesus loved you. How did Jesus love you? Say this with me. Courageously. Courageously. Sacrificially. Sacrificially. Unconditionally. You know, Jesus doesn't love you that way. You're going to hell and we're all in a bad spot. Amen? But that's how he loved us. All right? So we're going to love anyways. We're going to believe anyways. We're going to love anyways. Third, we're going to serve anyways. There are some times when I come through the door of my house, I do not feel like serving my family. Can I get a witness? I do not feel like serving my wife. I do not feel like uttering the words, is there anything you need? Because I want somebody to meet my needs. But yet, I serve anyways. Why? Let's read the scripture. All right? Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Let's read it together. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. Let me tell you, that last verse, Matthew 20, 28, I want to strongly encourage you to put that to memory. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Okay. In, in moments, I actually speak it. You know, when I'm in that tension of, I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it anyways, I say, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And I tell my flesh, and I tell the world, and I tell that devil the way it is. And I don't care what all three of them are saying. I'm going to serve anyways, because that's what Jesus did. That was the life he lived. That was the kind of man he was. And you see, that's, where, that's the mark of a man. That's why we follow him. He said no to himself to say yes to us. Can I get an amen on that one? He said, no, that, okay, so if that's Jesus, if that's wise, like greater love has no man than this, you know, and, and Jesus says, I, I give myself as a ransom for you, that's the life he's calling us to live. So I'm going to serve anyways. Lastly, and we're going to get into this in part five, is I'm going to obey anyways. And we see this in Matthew 26. This will be the headline for that session Jesus is talking in a super overwhelmed state. Let's read it together. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus that's why we love him. That's why we love this man. Is that he was honest with his circumstances. He wasn't like, oh, praise the Lord, I'm going to have nails put in my hands and a crown of thorns. And he wasn't, you know, a Pollyanna follower of God. It's just like, no, I don't want to do this. And if God, if you got a plan B, I'm down. And then he says, guess what? Uh, yet not my will, but your will be done. Wow, he obeyed anyways. So there were lots of feelings. There was an experience he didn't want, and yet he did it anyways. 
And so that's where we're headed in this, this series, all right? When God's word talks and says, you know what? I know that you could use this logic, but I'm telling you to do this. When the Holy Spirit whispers into your ear, all right? Ask this question of your wife. Don't assert your authority, all right? Say, what do you need? And, and serve her, all right? When a brother in Christ admonishes you and says, dude, I see something, and calls you out. And everything in you just wants to push away from the table of that discussion. And there's this helicopter in your belly, and you don't want to do what he's asking you to do. You do it anyways, all right? When the body of Christ, when your community of brothers speak into your life about a certain issue, and they say, you know what? Hey, we're just, we love you, and we want to encourage you this way, or we want you to consider this, or we want you to look at God's word with us and pray with us because we see that. And every defensive fiber in your body reacts. Man, that's a tension. And when you sense the tension, it's the Lord. That's God in your gut. And we got to get comfortable with that because that's the Christian life. He's going to chafe you. He's going to polish off the rough edges. All right? So what is the tension in your life? What, what could it be? And whenever possible... When whatever the request is, when it's not interfering maybe with something God's already got you doing, man, you, you say yes to that, all right? Why? Because that was Jesus. We're, we're just talking about Jesus and forming Jesus in you, all right? So yeah, you're going to walk out of here and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be in the midst of forces that are going to be asking you to do things a certain way. And you know what? The man of faith, the man of God, just goes, yeah, I hear that, whatever. I'm doing what God says. Amen? All right, let's, let's pray and let's ask God to, to help us do that. God, thank you that um, you're available right now in this moment with eyes shut, heads bowed. You're with God right now, just you. You're with God. And I want you to think about maybe an area of your life where either you're worried or where there's tension or where you don't know what is going to happen. And maybe God's calling you to believe anyways. God's telling you in this moment, I got this. It's in my hands. It's not in your hands. I know you put in a lot of time and effort and feel like it's in your hands, but it's really in my hands. And if I want something to happen, nothing can stop it. And you can rest and relax right now. Keep doing your part, but just know. My will in your life will be done. Maybe there's something, somebody in your life right now who you feel like, man, they don't deserve to be loved because, you know, this, 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 and this. And Jesus would say to you, well, guess what? Neither did you. You had this, 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 this against you. But I loved you anyways, unconditionally, courageously, sacrificially. Maybe there's somebody that you need to serve. Maybe there's something that you need to do. Maybe God's calling you into ministry or into expanding what it is, your service for him in your local church, or, or with your family, or maybe there's maybe some organization that needs you and needs your skills, and you need to go, yes, I know I'm going to have to say no to some things, but yes, God, I will serve you. Show me where you want me to serve. And then there's just the, the brass tacks of obedience. Some of us have an area of our lives that we simply don't want to make Jesus Lord of. He's our Savior, but he's not Lord of a certain area, and maybe this is your moment. They go, you know what, Lord? I give up control of that area of my life. I'm going to let you take over my dating life. I'm going to let you take over my, 
my business life. I'm going to let you take over my money. I'm going to let you take over this. I've been keeping it from you, and it's yours already. Help me to seek and know and do your will in that area. Father, thank you for moments like this where we can place ourselves before you. You know us individually down to every atom. That's how intimate you are with our lives. And for all circumstances and for all fears and for all battles, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just eliminate the barriers to doing your will in every man's life here as he takes a step of faith toward you. And so together, as one, we take a step of faith toward you. And we expect on the other side of believing in you, loving people, serving them, and obeying that your miracles are going to break out in lives today. So God, uh, tune us in today to the opportunities that we have to say yes to you. In Christ's name we pray and God's men said.